Welcome to the Kind Faith Bible Podcast. Conversations about how we read the Bible for newcomers and nerds alike. Hey everybody, welcome to the Kind Faith Bible Podcast for Bible newbies and Bible nerds. I'm Jeff. I'm Tyler. And we're really glad you're here. Anybody have a decision that they need to make anytime soon? Always. <laughs> Always. I, I've got to figure out what we're having for dinner tonight later, so I've got to make that decision. <laughs> but we're talking about discerning God's will around decision-making and the decisions that we have in our life and how is it that you discern what God wants in the circumstances that you're in and the crossroads that you face. And we're going we're gonna to dive into a whole section of Scripture that isn't often used around discerning God's will and developing principles around discerning God's will, but it really yeah. has lots of insights. Yeah, we've been, the last two conversations have been more broad, like overarching. We did some surveys uh, throughout the Bible. And then this actually, for me, uh, Acts chapter 16, I, I have to preach on this in a little coming up. And so it's just been a text that I've been mulling over and studying. And I realized a bunch of questions kept coming to mind, like, how did he make that decision? Why did he make that decision? Why did he do this and that? And and so it actually connects with this topic really fascinatingly. So Yeah. So we're going to take it piece by piece and read it. a section and talk about what questions arise and then what 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 is God revealing about himself um in the decision making process that Paul goes through as yeah. we as we work through it. So here we go. Good old-fashioned Bible study. Good old-fashioned Bible study. So we're in Acts chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 6 because there's a lot about discerning God's will in verse 6. So here's, here's what verses 6 through 10 say. And they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging them and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Boy, there's a lot there. Yeah. <clears throat> when I when I go to make my decision, the big decisions of my life, I want um, visions would be nice. I would love to have a clear word from the Holy Spirit. It seems like all of that's happening here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, there. Um, so this is probably, it's Paul... Earlier, he, he joined up with Timothy, Silas, and uh, very likely Luke himself, who's writing the book. Uh, this is when we start uh, verse 10. He says, we. Uh, so maybe there in, uh, in Troas, they met up with Luke, and Luke joins the party for a while. But, so it's, it's this traveling group. They're doing ministry, planting churches, and trying to figure out where to go next. And yeah, the, these seem much clearer even in in the rest of acts and uh, it certainly in my own life it would it, i agree with you it would be great to try to go somewhere and be forbidden by the holy spirit i don't even know what that yeah what does that mean so let's talk about yeah. these pieces but so there's a bunch of will discerning pieces here so in verse six 
they are forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Yeah. A fascinating reality here that why would anybody ever be forbidden to speak the word of God? Right. And it, yeah, so Asia, that would be like Ephesus, right? Ephesus is is in Asia. Um, I think we now consider it in Asia, but yeah, I'm trying to just to to link some of these these places off with where we know of Paul with Mm -hmm. with later writings. Later, Mm -hmm. he does go to Corinth and Asia to Ephesus. He plants a church there. So this is not a forever forbidden. And by the by, chapter um, I think 18, he's back uh, in Asia, and so we actually see him going back there. So that that's one thing to, to know. This isn't, uh, you are never allowed to go there. I hate those people or something. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. It's not God's judgment on the people, but yeah. it is an interesting phrase that you're forbidden to speak the word of God in Asia. So yeah. they're trying to figure out where to go and preach. Mm-hmm. And the Holy Spirit comes and forbids them to go in a certain direction. Have you ever been, have you ever felt like or been forbidden by God to do something? I don't feel like that, that intensely, it sounds really intense. And I, yeah, these are very interesting to me. I I struggle to try to figure out exactly what did that mean? Did they get an audible voice? Um, You know, throughout the book of Acts, you have, you have prophets bringing a word from God. You have just in the midst of prayer, God setting apart people for ministry. Um, Was it an overwhelming sense? Was it something tangible? Like the, the, the the roads were literally closed that day because of some storm. And so did they interpret that as, you know what, God doesn't want God us to go that them. way. <clears throat> uh, and, and that's the, the thing that I find it fascinating about this is Luke doesn't tell us. The author doesn't exactly say this is how it worked. And elsewhere, These were the mechanics of the Holy Spirit speaking. Yeah, but mm-hmm. they're, they're walking. I think it's showing you this divine human partnership. Um, that they were walking in this sense that it's not just us and somehow God is going to speak. And so, yeah, I think God can make his will known to say, you're not supposed to go there. I've, I've had that, maybe not in this intense way of, um, you know, even taking my, my last job that brought me up here to work with you and work, work up here in Morgan Hill. There were other job offers that I was looking at. And through, again, it was more through prayer, through counsel, through just thinking and and talking with Melanie, it felt like, I remember there was one church in particular down in Orange County that was, that was high on our list. And it started, it it did feel like God was closing the door there, not supposed to go there. And we didn't really know why. And so um, maybe in retrospect, we kind of have looked back and seen what has happened down there. We're like, oh yeah, that would not have been a, a healthy place for us. So, yeah, but it wasn't this kind of the spirit of Jesus did not allow me to go. Like, did they see something tangible? I don't know. Do you have any thoughts? Yeah. I, well, I, I'm, I'm gleaning kind of a couple principles here that, that might be helpful for all of us. As we listen, you said the partnership between us and God, as we discern God's will, there is clearly a conversation and a seeking happening here. Yeah. And it's, it, it doesn't seem to be a one-time seeking. It's a consistent seeking of God. Mm-hmm. That, that kind of sense goes all the way through this. That, that it's not, okay, God told me what college to go to, so now I'm done discerning God's will for the next four years. 
and I can move on to something else. Right. It's always, um, what's the direction? So there's that conversation. The other thing, the principle that's here is, of course, speaking the word of God is good everywhere all the time. But because it's good does not immediately mark it as of the will of God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's an important, that's an important principle for, for a lot of folks because um, some of us just want to say, and I know I've been in phases in my life where I just want to say, well, it's good. So God's got to bless it. So yeah. I'm going to, um, I'm, I'm going to um, go hand five bucks to that homeless guy. It, it's just, I'm, it's a good thing. How could it not be against God's will? So there's a more intimate seeking connection with God in the process of discerning God's will that I see all the way through this passage. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. And when you were saying that, it makes me think, there's a sense that in our own mission, we're trying to partner with Jesus and we want to see his will done in the world. We also don't have to hold the burden of doing all the good things ourselves. So there might be a mo- an element of that, like that, that would be a great thing for someone to do, but it's okay if it's not supposed to be me, like I'm not the savior here. And so there's, there, there, in, in any given year, in any given month, there's a hundred different things that would be great to do, that would totally be God-honoring, and I don't have to be the one to do them all. Uh, and sometimes, in direct contact with God, the Spirit himself can say, yeah, Tyler, that's not, that's not your fight. That's not, the where, that's not the place I need you. Mm-hmm. Just wait. It must yeah. have been disconcerting, too, because it doesn't seem... What I would have wanted, you know, that first moment, if God had said, not here, here's where you're going to go, like an immediate, but it seems like they had to sit in that. I don't know how, for how long, Yeah, maybe even weeks, like well, this moment it, of, well, no, Spirit's not letting us go there. Let's keep praying. Let's keep figuring it out. Okay, let's go here now. No, nope. oh, we're not allowed to go here. Yeah, it's a, it, it, that's, that might be a third principle to this is, is there's a stumbling around wandering to discerning God's will in this passage. Mm-hmm. And I've found that to be relatively true all the way, all the way around. Because here's, here's verse six, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to, to speak the word in Asia, they just went through Phrygia and Galatia. Now they, they were forbidden. So, okay, we're going to come up to, Mis- to, to Mysia. And we'll go to Bithynia, yeah. but the Spirit doesn't allow them there. It This seems in two verses like it's boom, boom. But this is days, maybe weeks, maybe months right. of travel, depending on the season, depending on the nature of the roads, depending on what was going on. So this discernment process is not boom, here, here it is. Yeah. And they, they end up getting the Macedonian call and heading over to Macedonia, but they're wandering that whole time. And I think, I think the power of faith is right there in the wandering. Yeah. When people come to me and say, I just heard from God and I know I get really scared because I, I, I get scared for them. I get scared for their faith because mm-hmm. it's, it, it's, it's um, less faithful to, make your immediate mind up and make your immediate decision less faithful. Maybe that's not the right way to say it. It's, it's less relationally engaging with God. It's like, okay, I I heard and I'm done. And these, these missionaries were in this process of 
constantly engaging, wandering, walking. Yeah. And it, it really highlights they didn't just stop and go into a room and meditate. Like that would be a response. And that more that kind of black and white thinking of, well, if the spirit said no here, I better not even take a step forward until I hear a very clear word. And so let's go into mm. a room and just keep praying and fasting until God tells us where to go. But this actually, there's a lot of movement. I like mm. that you pointed that out. Like they're, they're, they're like, and, and I would assume they're still doing ministry. They're still missionaries for God. So they go to Mysia, they go to Bithynia, they go to Troas, still discerning the ultimate like path. Jesus, where do you have us? But that doesn't mean they're just standing still. Uh, and I think that to me, I, I see a theme in my own life and in scripture, the, the way God comes and, and does speak to us. He's an active partner mm-hmm. and does want to talk to us and have that kind of relational um, discernment going on. But it's not, let's just stand, sit, stand still. That goes back to what, two weeks ago we talked mm-hmm. about, we don't want to remove ourselves from the equation. They're still doing work. And uh, also trusting, yeah, Jesus is going to lead us. And when there is a clear word, we can we can be flexible, um, but then, all right, here's Missia in front of me. Let's do some work here. Let's do some work in Troas, and and then when Paul gets a, a clear vision, come to Macedonia and help. He says, okay, uh, now we have another clear path. And so, yeah, I, I like it. It's this divine human partnership we see mm-hmm. at work here, and it's it's really. I mean, I, I what I appreciate about this is the sloppiness. So yeah. even even with the 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 final you know kind of seems like clarity and wouldn't it be nice if we all had a vision that said boom you know take the job at google or boom come over here to facebook because that's that's where i want you to work next or go to this church um that that seems like the ideal measure that most people use for wouldn't this be great to hear god's will but but if you take that out of its context um, it, 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 it kind of makes it like magic. Yeah. And they've been in this process of wrestling with God for days, weeks, months. We're not completely sure. And then, and then the clarity comes through that wandering process. And, and I think at least in my experiences in life, the best I've loved the process. The outcome has been less important. Yeah. At the beginning of discerning God's will at big decisions, the the desire to have the decision made for me is really high. But as I wander and and take different paths and try to discern in relationship with God, that journey actually is richer than when I land where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And I land where I'm supposed to be. And it, it opens up a whole new thing and it, it moves me into a different part of my story. But that wrestling part is great. Mm. Yeah, I agree. So even this vision gives us a nice little riddle to segue into the, uh, the next story. Okay. Go to Macedonia. Give me the riddle. Which is Philippi. Phil, Phil, the, the letter to the Philippians is uh, based in Macedonia. That, that's the bigger region. Mm-hmm. Um, but, they, but the riddle that I see is Paul sees a vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come and help us. And then you get to Macedonia and the first person he interacts with is a woman named Lydia. The second person he interacts with is another, a slave girl. Uh, finally, down the road, he, he gets thrown in prison and he finally, he meets a man. So even that, like the, the vision itself got us to Macedonia, but they had to start to exercise some wisdom on the ground to know, okay, 
God, what are we going to do today? Um, if they had been so uh, one-track minded to say, well, it was a man, Paul, what was he wearing? And they're only looking for one particular person. They would have ignored Lydia. They would have ignored the slave girl. So they do a lot of work there. See, that's interesting. <laughs> I, I would not, that's a, I, I mean, I think that's an important, um, that's an important thing to extract that I didn't even like mentally process because I've always assumed that the man from Macedonia were, were the Northern uh, Greek folks. And, yeah. and that one person was kind of a symbol representing all of Northern Greece saying, come yeah. over here. But um, yeah, I wouldn't have made it specifically man, but it is easy to get hung up on, on details um, and lose sight of the larger principles when we're discerning God's will. And, yeah. and we feel like, okay, um, <clears throat> God wants me to, which, which job am I taking or not taking? And I'm focused on the specifics of Google versus Facebook or, or whatever. And, and lose sight of the larger principles that God's calling me to glorify him and enjoy him and share him and and how do i how do i leverage what my next step is going to be best for the, those ultimate purposes that are always a part of what god's calling me to hmm. that's interesting man okay so they get the vision and they don't let themselves get hung up on the details of the vision and they meet lydia what's the next kind of will discerning part in this passage that you see uh, so they, they start, they basically start a church with Lydia. Um, we, this is, this goes back to our women in ministry conversation, but I think Lydia was the first house church leader of Philippi. It's a little bit of an aside. And then the next house church leaders that we meet from, from Philip, from Philippi are Euodia and Syntyche in the letter. So, um, go back a couple episodes for that one. But, uh, then Paul is doing ministry in the city and this starts the real tension of the moment. This is down uh, past the story of Lydia, they start, they, they start meeting in her home. And then uh, verse 16, I'll read that. As we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, these, are men, these men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. But the owners saw that their hope of gain was gone. They seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And so this, they get the the employers of this slave girl get so upset because they see their revenue source is now gone. Um, but I loved. I was just thinking how Paul makes a decision. He's he started a little church by the riverside in Lydia's home. They're they're worshiping God. Okay, things are moving. And then the 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 reason he heals this girl is because he was annoyed. I, this one was not a, and the spirit inspired Paul that day to to say, "There's a there's a girl that needs some help." It's it's not like Peter and John when they're walking up to the temple and they see the paralyzed no. man and they say, "Silver and gold I have not, but what I have in the name of the Lord I give you." Yeah, this Rise this doesn't feel like a very <laughs> spirit filled moment if you're no. just reading the text. He's and, just annoyed, and she's a she's a great. Um, Proclaimer of the truth. She's proclaiming. She's the truth. proclaiming the truth um, that that they are servants of the Most High God, come to tell you the way of salvation. I mean, it's it's yeah. kind of like she's the ultimate hype man, right? She she's in there um, spinning the records and saying, "Hey, here here he is, 
listen to this guy. Yeah. And this kind of links back to, you know, Jesus exercising the demons in the Gospels. They're, they're all proclaiming the truth, too. They're, so, they're the ones that say, I know who you are, servant of the Most High God. And he says, be quiet. Yeah. Um, I think, what, what were you going to say? Well, here, here's where I go with this. So if I'm in a bad mood and my yeah. motives aren't great, is it possible for my decisions to glorify God? Yeah, that's... A little disturbing, but I think the seems, answer is yes. Yeah. It seems yes. It it because it's not about the moment, it's it's not about the motive of the moment. Yeah. It's about the direction of my life. Right. I mean the thing he does is is good and God honoring, and it releases this girl who's been used by her employers. Like she's oppressed by a demon. Yeah, this spirit is turning her into a fortune teller, but she doesn't have a say in this. She's just an object as far as her employers are concerned. And so, yeah, what, what Paul does is in his annoyance is better than what a lot of us do on our best days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's so nice to, it, it's nice to know in this, as we talk about discerning God's will, here's a perfect example of a decision being made out of a bad disposition. Yeah. And God doesn't punish Paul for his bad disposition by saying, ooh, see, you made a really bad decision. You could argue that he does get thrown in jail, um, and that's the consequence of his grumpiness. But yeah. I don't think that's anywhere in this text. The, the, the no, hope seems, of this, yeah. The, yeah, the hope of this is, look, it's okay. God is bigger than this, and my mood isn't as, poor, isn't impor, isn't as important as the direction of my life yeah, and the and the momentum of my life, which is toward God. And if I have a, if I've built momentum in my life moving toward God, then even my crappy decisions can can be honoring Him and become yeah. part of the story that He's writing. Yeah, and I was I'm even thinking, you know, we could make this practical to say maybe there are moments where I don't know what to do today with, and how do I serve God today? What's really bugging me? Like, what is just getting on my nerves? Maybe that's where I should start, you know? And so this idea that, yeah, everything has to come out of this nice, like, I'm holy and I float off the ground and, and all of my decisions, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of like a monk, you know, everything's peaceful. But maybe just, this is really annoying me. This thing that I'm seeing in my city or in this community or with this friend, and I just can't, I can't let it go. Maybe that annoyance is actually a way for me to, discern that day oh this is this is how i need to act and now we need to act with grace and and justice and and in a way that is still god honoring but paul's annoyance actually began this whole sequence of events that um yeah that's an interesting perspective so it could have been paul greatly annoyed and then between the commas um paying attention to what he's annoyed by yeah Realizing that it's something that God is calling to to address, he addresses. Mm-hmm. So, so it really it cuts both ways for me. I think either one is a is a legitimate interpretation of what's going on here. One, Paul's just in a bad mood, and and hey, it happens, and you make decisions out of those moods, and God redeems it. And then the other is, yeah, pay attention to what's annoying you. Yeah, that's a great. I love that. Hmm. So then this ignites all the tension the, the the employers of this slave girl are frustrated that Paul has now um, ruined their business. 
And so he takes them, they take them before the magistrates, they beat them with rods Mm. and then throw them in prison. They order this jailer to keep them uh, secure. So the jailer, verse 24, receives the order, puts them in the inner prison, fastens their feet in the stocks. But, and then here comes... And by the way, I've been to that inner prison. Oh. Yeah, we we were in Philippi and saw the jail and... Um, just imagine a hole in the ground. Yeah. Cause it's not, there's, there's nothing, um, magical about this. It, it, the whole prison is about half the size of the room we're in. So maybe 12 by 12, 14 mm. by 14. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So not a, not a fun place. And no. then, so they're praying and singing to God and all the other prisoners in there listening to them. Uh, and suddenly there was a great earthquake. The foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened. Everyone's bonds were unfastened. Wow. That's, that is so perfect. Cause one of the, the phrases we used last week was when God opens a door, you know, that that's a clear sign yeah. that, the, that it's the will of God to go through the door. So what happens next? I know this, this is a clear moment where the doors were opened and they decide not to go through the door. Right. They don't yeah. go. Which there's all, so they don't go through there. The jailer is about to kill himself because he knows uh, he was the one given the task to secure these prisoners. And if all his prisoners have just escaped, he's going to die. That happened, actually. The last time there was a prison break in chapter 12, Peter was between two guards and he escapes and Herod kills the the soldiers. Uh, And so this is a known thing in in the the Greek world. So he's about to kill himself. But Paul in verse 28 cries out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself. We're all here. And uh, so just thinking, like, what caused them to not go through the door? And there's a lot of little links back, like, this has already happened. There's been two prison breaks in the book of Acts so far. Uh, back, I think it was chapter 6 or 7, Peter's in prison, and, and an angel comes and takes him out of prison, and he starts proclaiming the word in the temple again. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. it upsets all the chief priests. Then in chapter 12, Peter again is in prison between two guards, this, is, this time a Roman prison. And he's, he escapes, and then Herod kills the guards and, and all that. And so, so we already have this kind of motif in our mind. The book of Acts, in the book of Acts, when God's people get thrown in prison, God opens the doors and they escape. And here, so if I'm tracking, I'm reading this, and God opened the doors with a great earthquake. Great, here's another prison break. And they didn't go through. So yeah, what, what caused them to realize, no, this time we're not supposed to go through the doors? Mm. Um, and we see like this great interaction with this um, with this guard yeah. that ensues that wouldn't have happened if they just bolted. And I think I think one of the things that had to be in their mind was they've gotten to know God well enough to realize that God doesn't necessarily do the same thing the same way yeah. every time. Yeah. And that that's that's one of the larger principles I think in discerning God's will is knowing the character and the style of God. Yeah, and his character and style is, um, is is at least in this case something that really helps the Philippian jailer for sure, but everybody, yeah, in the story because they're they're okay with this. Here's a pattern we've seen before, but maybe what we know about God is He works differently in different circumstances. So maybe this is a time where we stay put. Yeah, and at least they had that awareness based right. on God's character and style. Yeah, and I think there's some clues. The observation in the text I saw, I looked back at those other two prison breaks, and there was no, there, there's not an explicit mention of a jailer being tasked with 
securing the prisoners. So here, before the prison break and after, uh, mm-hmm. it's the jailer himself receiving the order to put them in prison, which then is why he would kill himself. He's the one, all this authority, all this, this responsibility was laid on his shoulders. So that, I'm sure, must have been in their mind. Like, okay, yes, God, you did a great thing and kind of confirmed we're your servants, we're worshiping you. You, open, you, you let the shackles fall from our wrists. But if we leave right now, this, this guy's going to die. Mm. And so there's something personal going on where I like that, like being more in tune with the heart of God rather than trying to just do a cookie cutter approach to, well, mm-hmm. God did it this way before, so it has to be the exact same way. Just because the door is open, they have to take quick stock. Okay, yeah, but if we leave, this guy's going to die and God's heart is for him. And yeah. so h- how did they make that decision to say in the moment, actually the wise thing to do is to stay and be a witness to this jailer, even if it means we stay in prison. Like, Yeah, it's a, it's a frustrating story for me because I want, I like to leverage the open door metaphor for determining the will of God. It's kind of like, I like to leverage, well, this is how God works. It's always the same. And so this is clearly God's will. I like to leverage, well, it's a good thing, so it's got to be God's will. And I like to leverage this idea that every time a door opens, that's God. Yeah. So all of those kind of all of that mythology about decision making is being unraveled here, and it's being focused into this is this is really about the character of God and the ministry that they've been set on. What I what, what's fascinating about the Philippian prison that I, I would imagine would have been the same with the the Roman prison in Jerusalem and the Jewish prison. Mm. Actually, no, the Jewish prison, not. I've been to that prison. Um, but this prison is on the main road. So the main road where the magistrate sits, this, this prison is like literally 25 footsteps mm. away from where the, the people sat, the magistrate sat at the gate to pass their judgment. If they're singing loud, there's no way people in the market can't hear them. Yeah. It's that close. Okay. So, so it's interesting too. I I think their ministry, um, and this is complete conjecture, Hmm. but their ministry out of that prison kind of being in prison, moved them to the central part of the town. Hmm. That's a great, yeah. The geography of that. Cause in the first prison break with Peter, they're thrown in a Jewish prison, and the thing, the, the specific thing the angel of the Lord does is bring Peter out to put him in the center of the temple to keep proclaiming the word. Mm. What you're saying is here, the prison itself is in the center of town, so they're already in a in a position to to be praising God and where everyone's going to hear. That's a great, yeah. I had never thought about that. Yeah, mm. that's actually a really fascinating connection because even the Praetorium. Because you've been to Israel, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even the Praetorium um, on the north side of the Temple Mount would have been pretty isolated. You know, yeah. the Jews would have stayed away. Yeah. And and the city itself would have been so big. But in Ephesus, yeah. no way. Oh, they, they were cool. They were downtown. Yeah. So they, they have this great moment. I mean, Philippi. So they go to Philippi. They plant a church. In Lydia's home, they save this slave girl, they get thrown in prison, and then this incredible miracle where the Roman guard is converted, he's saved, and all of his household gets baptized on the spot, they begin worshiping the Lord. And then the next 
oddity is <laughs> the next day, lo and behold, it's, an, it's another miracle. The magistrates say, you know what? Let those men go. There's, there's, no, there's no problem here. And you would think, I, I, if I'm Luke or Timothy or Silas, I'm thinking, oh, sweet. We did some good work in Philippi. It's right. almost like, it's almost like, you know, that story that, that where the guy that gets caught in the flood and he climbs up on his roof and he prays for God to save him. And a guy comes by oh, yeah. in a boat and he says, nope, I'm waiting for God to save me. It's almost like that. They're in jail waiting for God to save them. There's an earthquake. The doors open. Nope, but I'm waiting for God <laughs> to save me. And then the magistrate comes and says, hey, you're free. The next boat. Nope. You're right. Yeah. So this... <laughs> So Paul is like the, the stubborn guy on top of the roof. <laughs> but because the magistrate says, let them go. And if I'm one of Paul's friends, I'm thinking, sweet, we, we, we got out by the skin of our teeth. We did some good stuff. This whole, this whole man's family got saved. We started a church. Let's get out of Philippi. This, sounds like, this seems like a good moment to leave. And Paul plants his feet firmly and says, um, actually, they have beaten us publicly, uncondemned men who are Roman citizens. Uh, and have thrown us into prison, and now they want to throw us out secretly. And he he stirs up more truth. He says, "No, they need to come and grovel a little bit, because <laughs> they actually broke the law. They're not allowed to treat Roman citizens like that." Which is a total like the the Roman magistrate is not being as good of a Roman as Paul is in this moment, right? But there's just like, no, actually, they need to come grovel a little bit. And you're like, Paul, why did you decide to do that? What, like, what caused you to rethink this is this is the right will of God right now to, to actually make a, make a big stink about this moment. Uh, so then they come and right. They grovel they They have, they apologize. They're like, Oh man, we could get in a lot of trouble for this. Please, please leave. get away. <laughs> and, then, and then they finally leave. Uh, so yeah, any thoughts on that? La- Why did Paul react that way? What, what caused him at the end to put up a fight when the doors were now open again for them to leave? Like, this is another this is another place where um so earlier you know he casts out the demon from the slave girl and, and let's just call it a bad mood he had a bad mood moment this is another one of those places where i see um uh, a single value decision moment where the only value in the moment for paul it seems like is justice and he wants justice to be done and the rules to be followed. And that fits in the character of Paul. I mean, his whole, before he met Christ on the Macedonian, I mean, on the, um, oh shoot, on the road to wherever. Damascus. Damascus, thank yeah. you. Um, he was a rule keeper and a rule mm-hmm. follower. And so he's got this bent toward, no, we're going to keep the rules. And I want to I wanna make sure that justice and rule following happen happen here and that that singular principle is just so narrow yeah but Mm. still god uh it it allows it his the the trajectory of his life and the momentum of his life and his knowledge of god is is bigger than that that little niggle yeah that he's got but it's allowed yeah and i take it i think what the more I think about discerning God's will is there is no cookie cutter approach. We mm-hmm. can't just say it's always going to be the same. It's really, and I really love what you said uh, the other week. And I, I think 
the theme of most of these conversations need to be brought back to we need to be such an expert at the voice of God that we that we can in the moment discern what is God doing right here right now and so there's this because uh, in this moment Paul is with in partnership with the spirit filled realizing this is a moment where I actually need to play this Roman citizen card and it's it's putting the magistrates in their place uh, you know he he's and maybe it's setting Lydia up for protection and success as she goes yeah. forward. And then later, there's he uses, no way to know. Later on in Acts, he uses that even more strongly, uh, which eventually brings him before Caesar, right? And so there's this, like, Paul's Roman citizen card is something he plays carefully later on as well. And, you know, I was thinking of uh, what came to mind while you're talking is in 2 Corinthians 11, he boasts in this kind of foolish boast about how many times he was beaten and the Jews... Uh, gave me the 40 lashings minus one several times. And uh, so it's not that he's just hurt about being beaten. Like there's, there's other times where he, he takes it as just, this is me suffering for the Lord and I'm joyful about it. But this moment he's thinking, no, this is a time where I actually need to put them in their place a little bit and, and point out to them that they're being bad Romans. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually trying to follow the Roman law better than them. And, and so, yeah, it's like, are we becoming such experts of how God speaks and and his character even more than that? That then in a moment where God opened the prison doors, but this time I'm supposed to stay put. Maybe the next time I'm supposed to make a run for it, you know? And, uh, you know, this time the, the magistrates are letting me go. I could leave peacefully and just plant another church elsewhere. But this time I'm supposed to take a stand and maybe the next time I'm not, you know? I, I, so I, I think that's... It's, it's a messier thing uh, to say this is the kind of faith and relationship that I see put on display here is it really is a it's an in the moment kind of decision still fully yep. filled with the spirit full of wisdom it's not we're not just being flippant like Paul doesn't just he's he's not just flipping a coin every time well what do I do this time um, so he's full of wisdom but each time might look a little different and that that's mm -hmm. maybe scary for us today we want it to be more clean cut yeah we we really do and but it get kind of comes back to to the to the the tools i've used consistently to discern the will of god which is which is what are the circumstances around the decision that i'm trying to make and and what i'm asking in that question is how have i identified god moving and working and does that align with how I've, I've kind of watched God work and move in the past? Not, is it identical to something he's done in the past, but is this God's style? Yeah. Is this kind of how he rolls? Then what am I hearing from God in those circumstances, but particularly in his word? Am I seeing resonances toward the decision that I'm making? And what am I feeling inside in terms of my prayer discernment? And then usually I'm engaged with the community. What is the community think my the faithful community around me what do they think i i when the yeah. when the doors opened i am sure that there was a conversation to be had in community about what do you what do we do right um and and all the way through this those those things of does this resonate with the word of god does this resonate with with god's style of how he works are we feeling it as a community and are we hearing it personally in prayer and sometimes one stands out more than the other, right? So I heard it in prayer. I had a vision. Okay. But if if they had been, if they had felt like God had, boom, called them to Asia, 
where he said he forbid them to go. And they're on their way to Asia and Paul has a vision and says, nope, Macedonia. I bet you it would have been a different story. Mm-hmm. I think they would have struggled with, with the vision because they'd, they felt like they kind of heard from God. So, so there's a, it's super dynamic amongst all those different levels. And there's probably more, but those are kind of the four that I tend to, to look to. Yeah. Hmm. So what's your takeaway from this? <laughs> yeah, that's this. I, I really like this conversation. And I feel like where it was really just this week that I realized how much chapter 16 of Acts gets me to think about these kind of like, I don't have a lot of clear answers even. Like there's so many different ways in just this one short chapter where God does speak. Spirit forbids me to go here. I get a vision. But then when I'm there, it Paul is navigating in the moment, filled with the spirit, sometimes even just filled with a little annoyance, right? That, so God is working through Paul's demeanor, through his actions, through the circumstances around him. And they're, they're able to make decisions in line with God's heart to say, right, you know, in this moment, the, the life of this man and his family is more important than my physical freedom and, and all that. It's, it's a great dynamic story that uh, maybe doesn't answer a lot of our questions. Again, I don't think this, this series, we're not going to come away with, here's the silver bullet to always discern God's will. Uh, because really it's this, I think life is like that. It's this dynamic walking with God closely enough that we're in this relationship saying, all right, what do we do today? And, and do I recognize where God is moving me in this moment? Yeah. And, and I think that, that for me in, in all of this is the big, is the big reality that, I mean, how many times do we say God's more concerned with our faith and relationship development with him? Yeah. Than he is with our circumstantial decision making. So you decide to go to Stanford or you decide to go to Duke. Um, okay. You know, but it's the process of deciding that God's more, more concerned with, are we engaging with him? Are we walking with him? Are we letting him move how he wants to move? Letting him move. That's not the right way to say that, but are we opening up our minds to see him move in ways that he is moving Mm -hmm. as opposed to locking him into a box. Yeah. This is so fascinating. Well, um, having made no real conclusions about discerning the will of God in this discussion, um, we do hope that in it all, you, you feel a sense of grace and peace because this whole discerning the will of God thing isn't about magically figuring out the exact right next step. Right. It's about relationally engaging with our God who wants to walk with us and partner with us as we uh, engage his will and try to discern. Yeah. That's peace giving. It's uh, you said it earlier, but maybe the question is more, am I in line with God's heart and character rather than am I doing the exact concrete step I'm supposed to take? Like Mm -hmm. there's this, we're moving, we're, we're, we're living, we're working. And if we can, if we can keep asking that question, Am I in line with God's character right now? God's with us. Like, yeah, if I'm if I'm veering into sin and greed and whatever else, then yeah, I'm not following after God's heart and character. But in these moments, like there's maybe some leeway even to say yeah. that God's going to work through all of the the messiness and the dynamic situations. Mhm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Right. Well, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, this has been a super fun discussion, and we know it's raising questions. So feel free to ask them. You can ask them in the comment section for the videos. You can send us questions at thekindfaith at gmail.org. You can, I mean, gmail.com. Um, gmail.org doesn't exist. Thekindfaith at gmail.com. Gmail.com. And, or you can send us a text. You can send us emails, um, whatever you want to do. We'd love to continue the conversation. So God bless you. See you everyone. Thanks for listening. You can find more about the Kind Faith community at thekindfaith.org.